is violence ever morally justified? I'm going to have to say yes. That might be a shocking answer for people. Remember that movie, A Time to Kill, with yes. Samuel L. Jackson? Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell! So while violence typically isn't necessarily the answer, I can say I understand why the violence occurred. That's not the legal answer. That's the Chris Rock answer. Now, I'm not saying he should have killed her, but I understand. Look, we all got different needs, wants, and goals in life. As doctors, locum tenens definitely needs to be a part of that conversation. But you might wonder, how do I find out if locums is good for me? Here's my answer. Go to an unbiased, informative source like locumstory.com. You'll learn all the ins and outs of locums, details on travel and housing, how to find different jobs, tax information, and more. Get a comprehensive view of locums and decide if it's right for you at locumstory.com. Link is in the show notes. Have you heard of the Healthy Conversations podcast? If you're looking for a podcast that moves the health conversation forward, then I highly recommend Healthy Conversations, the acclaimed podcast from CVS Health. Hosted by Dr. Daniel Kraft, the Harvard and Stanford-trained physician scientist, Healthy Conversations provides both inspiration and cutting-edge information about the forefront of medical practice. You can find it wherever you're listening to Docs Outside the Box, and don't forget to subscribe. And to make it easier, the link is in the show notes. What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee. Welcome to another episode of Docs Outside the Box. I'm joined by my lovely co-host right there. <laughs> it looks like you're pointing to the other side. Really? But Dr. Uh, Renee. <laughs> a little Brady Bunch accent right there. Yeah, for me, you're on my left, but I guess ah. I'm on your left. I'm on your left? Well, I mirrored my camera, so maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yo, shout out to everyone who is watching us on YouTube. We are trying to build our YouTube channel. We appreciate it. And then also shout out to all the OGs who listen to us on podcasts on your favorite DSP, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. That's where you're going to find us. We appreciate it. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. But first, before we get into that, let's talk about the different environments that we're in. You are in the home studio. I'm yes, in a hotel means. room. I don't like to be separated, but listen, I'm on a locums gig. I'm on right off of Interstate 80 in Pennsylvania. And um, I've been here for four days, came here the evening of Father's Day, which was really stupid because Father's <laughs> Day was really dope. See it again for the people in the back, y'all. <laughs> really stupid, yo. Father's Day was really dope. It went great. I got gifts from you and from Niamu in the morning. And then we went on a really dope train ride that you set up because for y'all who don't know, I'm really big into antique old trains and um, we did a train ride for about an hour together and then came home, packed up, got on the road for about five hours and came to work to work on Monday morning. And I'm just like, ah, the whole time I just regretted doing it. I don't know why I do that. I so don't I got to stop do doing it. Either. That. Yeah, I need to stop doing that. Yo. It's stupid. But anyway, I got a seven day stint here, um, but the show must go on and we got to still record. Um, but I'm going to be very honest. I miss you. I miss the kids very much. Yeah, and, we miss um, you too, Papa. Yeah, yeah. But we love the people. We can't deprive them from a great episode. So Give the um, people what Jaylen used to say. What oh, they give want. the people what they want. Oh, yeah. We got to give the people Who's what that, they the want. Who's that, the P-Funk? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know who that is. I think, isn't that sure George that Clinton is. in the P-Funk? Is it? I, I, don't, I know. don't know. We got to look it up. Give the people know. what they want. But, um, oh, guys, nope, in it's this by episode, the OJs. It's by the OJs. In this episode, guys, we are going to be talking about the slap heard around ACOG. And we're also going to be talking about an article from one of our good friends, Physician on Fire. Um, so, listen, should we get right into it or should we take a break? What do you think? Um, We have a little bit of time. We have a little bit of time. Okay, let's just jump right into it then. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about our first uh, topic, which is the slap heard around ACOG. By the time this episode came out, comes out, excuse me, 
this uh, situation, it's a video that is floating all, all, all through social media, mainly on TikTok and Twitter, but basically at the ACOG National Convention, I forget the name of the doctor, Dr. William Burke. He's a gynoc at Stony Brook. He was giving a talk mm-hmm. and um, a somebody's husband came up, hemmed him up and slapped him up and basically said, yo, you are a sexual predator. You did something to my wife seven years ago and some uh, some type of alleged sexual assault or sexual move. During we the don't time know the specifics. she was training. During the time she was training and listen, for seven years, I've been thinking about this and steaming about this. Look what you did to my wife and look what you did to us. And for this, pop, pop, you going to get it, right? So yeah. I'm paraphrasing right now. But basically, he came up on stage and physically did that to this guy. Everybody was shocked. Everybody was shook. People asking for security. People saying, yo, this is not the time. Um, it was a very uncomfortable situation because if anybody knows, let me tell you all right now, the boringest place on earth is at a medical conference and definitely a medical conference by some OB guys. Yo, y'all boring as hell, right? <laughs> it is boring. So to see this at this event, like is completely jarring, completely shocking, the complete antithesis of what you would expect to occur at a medical conference. And this went on for like two, three minutes where he was telling everybody, I'm yeah, telling you, I'm minutes, doing this for yeah. y'all. I'm doing this for y'all. Like this guy's a sexual predator. We're going back and forth. What you did to my wife is, you know, so like, I was conflicted about this. So anyway, there's a video of that uh, interaction that occurred in the conference room. And then there's another video separate that shows him. This is the husband mm-hmm. talking, I think, either with police officer or plainclothes security officers kind of letting them know that, you know, I've kind of done all of these different things and it hasn't worked. We've gone through all of these different ways to like complain about whatever it may be. And, you know, it's it's a lot to talk about. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. And I feel conflicted about it for so many different reasons. But one of the interesting things that I, I thought about on this uh, topic is, you know, violence in general. Right. I'm a trauma mm-hmm. surgeon. I deal with people who get traumatically injured um, all the due time. To violence, yeah. due to reckless behavior all the time. So obviously I, I protect human life. We all do that. Right. But more so with what I do, I protect human life. Um, so I'm not really cool with violence, but it kind of led me down you know, a path of kind of looking at is is violence ever justified? Um, You know, when when you have like people who don't have power versus people who have power and you're trying to get some type of um, what's the word I want to use? When you want to right a wrong Mm -hmm. and you're following the paths that are just meant to suppress whatever thing that you're going to say, right? Because we know a lot of times people want to complain about work duty hours or sexual harassment or what have you. And for the most part, you know that this is not going to go anywhere because the person who you, the person who wronged you in your eyes is someone who's really big and they're going to get protected. It's not going to go anywhere. Do we maintain decorum in that situation, Mm. right? That's something that I, I was thinking about. And then also at the same time, I'm thinking like, when is the right time to talk about this? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So before I get go down too far into my wormhole or into my, you know, wheelhouse, what do you got to say about this? Um. Well, you know, first things first is whatever prompted this was that couple's reality. So that's that's the first thing. Right. And I think that we as spectators of what happened has to have to understand that this is their reality. So we may say, well, we don't know exactly what went on. These are just allegations. These are allegations to the spectator, but to the person who feels like they have been wronged, this is their reality. So I can say that if they really went through all of these channels and nothing was done. And especially during training where we know that residents are vulnerable, right? Residents are vulnerable. vulnerable. There's a lot at stake. There's so much at stake financially, career wise. There's so much at stake. Social standing. Yeah. Social standing. Yeah. Social standing. Um, There's just so much at stake. And 
one of the things that I wanted to point out was that the husband specifically said this happened seven years ago and my wife is still suffering. So whatever is going on, you know, in, in their reality really prompted this thing. And so while violence typically isn't necessarily the answer, I can say I understand why the violence occurred. I understand why it occurred, right? And that's that's not the legal answer. Um, that's the Chris Rock answer. I know it ain't that, right. <laughs> I know you shouldn't do it, but I understand. Now, I'm not saying he should have killed her, but I understand. <laughs> right. But I understand. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I understand where this violence came from. Because I, I got to tell you, like, there, you know, what what happens... What happens when you have gone through everything and you continue to suffer and the person who you feel who you feel has wronged you continues to climb the ladder of success, continues to get accolades, you know, and especially in the field in during, you know, in the field in which he actually assaulted you. Right. Especially in that career. You yeah, know, you can't as run a away teacher. from it. This person, you're going to see this person all the time. Right. You're going to see this person all the time. And this person is being, you know, is being rewarded for his, you know, his participation in the very profession that he might have used to assault this resident. Right. That's their reality. Right. That's that is their reality. And so the question becomes, okay, if you are confronted with that reality and it has not been addressed and this person has not been punished, has not at all been addressed in in a way to lose something and you feel like you've lose you lost something, then what other recourse do you have? I got some thoughts on this, actually. But before I share that, let's go ahead and take a really quick break and then we will come right back. Okay. What's changed in healthcare? The opportunities, the lifestyle, and you. Now's the perfect time to explore locum tenens and see how it might fit into your career story. Trust me, this is not a one-size-fits-all solution for everyone, and the variety of opportunities might surprise you. I recommend starting your research at locumstory.com, an unbiased educational resource about locum tenens. You're going to find stories of locum physicians from all walks of life, so you get a bigger picture of the diverse options. The Locum Story website also has a tool that lets you explore Locum's pay and demand for your specialty and even compare to different Locum tenants agencies. There's even a simple quiz to see if Locum's is a right fit for you. Locum's could be an essential part of your career that adapts to your needs. Do your own research at locumstory.com. It's easy. Link is in the show notes. All right, we are back. Listen, um, so I think you bring up a really good point about that. Um, so let's be honest. There's a lot of people in ACOG, women. There was a lot of women there who were saying that, call the police, security, um, this is not the time. Um, yet, if the allegations are true, this is someone who's saying, alleging that some type of sexual harassment or sexual assault has occurred right, to a fellow woman participant, fellow, I guess, of ACOG or whatever you want to call part of ACOG. Mm-hmm. She's a part of that, that, that sorority fraternity, whichever, whatever you want to look at it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when is it the right time to kind of address these type of situations, right? Because oftentimes you will see that, you know, institutions, you know, people can be institutions, but institutions have a way of separating ourselves um, individually from our our behaviors and allowing mm-hmm. like the, everything to get absorbed by the institution, right? So if you go through and you follow the the decorum of the institution, nothing is going to get done. So what happens when you like get exhausted in that situation? When is the right time, right? Because that was one of the main things that mm-hmm. a, peop- a lot of people were going back and forth on social media, particularly Twitter. Like, yo, like why are y'all saying this is not the right time? You should always call it out. They didn't say you should always do violence, but they just said that you should always call it out. Your thoughts mm-hmm. are, Dr. Renee, go ahead. Well, I mean, so then my question is, well, when is the right time to harass somebody, assault somebody, you know, injure somebody. When is the right time to do that? Right? Because 
the reality is there's never a right time to do a wrong to someone. So therefore, it is well, always the right time to call it out. It's always the right time were, to call it out. But you know, the thing that's crazy is it becomes a slippery slope, right? Because certain people don't cope with things in a certain way, right? Like, for mm-hmm. example, if you correct someone in public or if you correct someone even in private and they don't like the way that you corrected them, like, mm-hmm. did you wrong them? Did you embarrass them? Did you cause some type of... Um, uh, bruise to their ego that they're going to carry on for a long period of time. And then they come seven years later and whoop that ass. Like, is that the same thing? The same justification, right? Like, I'm not saying this to be devil's advocate. I'm just mm-hmm. interested mm-hmm. in like, no, it's no, that I mean, that's a good question. That's a really good question. You know, I think when you wrong somebody, right. And I'm not talking about, Oh, like, you know, you stepped on my toe and then you, ah! You know, you start getting crazy. It's about, like you talking about all being right. accused of egregious stuff, right? We're talking about yeah. accused of an actual crime, right? Like yeah. an, an actual crime against someone, like you know, some heinous act against someone. That's a different story. And I think if you're, you know, if you are committing a heinous act against someone that you shouldn't be too surprised if that person finally comes out and just says, hey, this is what you did to me. Because you had no problems doing it. So you should have no problems with everybody else knowing, right? And that that's kind of where I say that if this is their reality, that he had no problems assaulting this woman, then he should have no problems understanding that they're going to say that he assaulted her. Right. Yeah. So, so that that's kind of how I feel about that. You know, what's interesting is in my perspective, I could tell you right now that dude, there's some pure energy that's coming from that husband, you know, and it's mm-hmm. pretty hard to deny that this is when you say it's his reality, like. Like, dude does not look like he's acting. Dude does not look like he practiced this. He just looks like he's been holding on to this for a long time. Seven years, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So I don't know if that is, if that proves this point more or I have no idea. Um, The thing that is very interesting is, is like, I think unless you're put in his shoes or Mm -hmm. in their shoes, it's really hard to criticize and say, like, what would you do? Like, what if that was, what if someone did something like that to your child? Mm -hmm. Or what if someone did that that to someone that you love very much that that can't defend themselves? Mm -hmm. Would you resort to the same thing? Or do you find it more believable or realistic mm-hmm. that you could do those things. I don't right. know. That's it's crazy. Huh? Right. Crazy. Well, crazy. That, but that's why I say very specifically, right? I'm not saying what he did was right, wrong, justified, not justified. But what I am saying is that, you know, as a spectator, it's very easy to kind of, this is not the time. This is not the place. It's very easy as a spectator to say that. But if this is your reality, that's a different story. If any one of those people in the room had known that young woman and she had confided in them, hey, do you know what happened to me? Now it would become their reality, right? You think so? So you, oh, yeah. you think that, let's, let's say we remove the violence from it, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say we remove the violence part from it and the guy came up, let's say the husband came up and didn't you know, hem the guy up and just was like, hey, you accused, or excuse me, you did A, B, C, D to my wife. Mm-hmm. And you need to pay for this. You need to pay for it right now. I want you to confess about everything right now, right? But mm-hmm. no violence. Do you think that that would have a way different effect? People would believe that? Uh, so, I, so it's not a question of whether or not people believed it because nobody said that they didn't believe her. What they said was this was not the time. So mm-hmm. what you trying to get all specific that, and stuff. Right. No, but that's very but no, that's very important. That's very important because you know, the the spectator felt uncomfortable not because well, I don't know if this is true or not or I don't believe it. They felt uncomfortable because of what was happening, right? Because their 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 own um, realities had been disrupted, right? I'm sitting in the most boring place on earth, a medical conference, and all of a sudden, somebody shakes lying? this thing up, right? It, mm-hmm. it is the most boring place on earth. But 
someone shakes this thing up and I wasn't ready for this and therefore I don't want to deal with it and therefore I'm going to call security so that I can get back to my level of comfort. That's what was happening. So, but what I'm saying is that if that young lady had known any of those people for years, let's say they had known her for years, but and those people knew this had happened to her and she confided in them, cried over it, did all, you know, did all the things, right, that are consistent with someone who had been assaulted, let's say, right, then the question becomes, if her husband had walked into the room that day and the people in the audience knew what had happened, knew that they went through all the proper channels right. and nothing happened, what would they say then? Because mm-hmm. now it would become their reality that they know that this happened to this girl, at least their reality, that they know this happened to this girl right, or to this woman. What would they then say? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Right. You know. And so I I would dare to say that no one would have said this is not the time and probably no one would have called security. I think you're pretty optimistic. I don't think so. But I, I, that- I do. I do think that because I, and I will tell you why I will tell you why, because when people I don't know if you ever look at Instagram. Let's just take Instagram and Twitter, for example, right? Like when people are convicted in something, when they truly, truly, truly believe something, they can they can sit through something that is extremely uncomfortable and co-sign it, right? They can sit through something that looks completely like, oh, man, this looks like it's like it should make people uncomfortable, but they can co-sign it. When, when you look at people's comments, you can tell where their convictions lie. And so when someone is very convicted in something, if, if again, the reality for these people who were sitting in the audience was, I know that this young lady was wrong seven years ago and nothing ever happened to, to you know, the person who wronged her, then they might actually be able to sit through that because they would feel like she was vindicated because they felt that, you know, this person was so wronged. And now the person who has wronged her needs to have some sort of consequence. I, I really think, I think that, I think, I think you Twitter know. and Instagram are, are two different. Twitter, Instagram are one space, whereas being in real, you know, in real life, seeing someone, seeing their face, their interactions and how are you going to react? I think those are two different things. I'm not I mean, saying you that have that a point there. Occur, you have a point. But like there's an anonymous or um, there's a huge space between the person who's putting up the information versus the comments that they write versus like, yo, it's right in front of you. And now you got to react. Don't know. Right. But I think you may have you, a so point. So you're talking about but, keyboard courage. Right. So the one thing that I'm very interested in is, is, is violence ever justified? Like, is there some type of morality with violence? Right. Like, mm-hmm. can we justify it? And that's something that I've been kind of going back and forth with, like, because there's some people who are saying they're not advocating violence, but they're saying, yeah, we should always talk about this. But there's some people saying like, yo, you do needed an ass whooping. So I've been mm-hmm. kind of looking on the Internet and going down this rabbit hole, found this article from The Guardian back in 2015. It's called, Can Violence Be Moral? And it's an article or a think piece that centers around a book that came out in 2014 called Mm -hmm. Virtuous Violence. You can get it on Instagram, came out in 2014. And basically the book kind of talks about what motivates violence. I haven't read this book, but I kind of looked at a lot of different reviews. Instagram or Amazon? What did I say? Instagram. Oh, I meant to say Amazon. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. I meant to say Amazon. Right. And what it does is it talks about that the majority of violence that occurs in the world is actually based off of morality. And what we oftentimes get on TV, um, in the news, um, what we see from politicians is actually a watered down version mm-hmm. descriptive of violence. Violence, um, a lot of times on the latter is described of like, there's like 
this joy of causing harm to people. There's like no empathy whatsoever. Like there is an ability to dehumanize people, right? Oh, that person's not human. That's why they did that. Or they lack empathy or, you know, they just want to cause depraved. pain. Right. right. They're depraved. And what that does is it lets us off the hook because the majority of, of violence doesn't occur within that wavelength. It actually happens in the wavelength of, I feel like I've been wronged. And in order to right a wrong, I'm going to inflict violence on mm. either an individual or on a large group of people um, or, you know, whatever falls in between that. Right. So, mm -hmm. for example, one thing says if violence is morally motivated, then punishment is unlikely to be effective because, as the authors write, people will do what is morally required if they feel their cause is righteous, whatever mm. the consequences Basically, what they're saying is it's very easy for us to talk about, you know, cr excuse me, violence being someone who's depraved, someone who is lacking empathy. But when the majority of us, when countries exact violence on other countries for perceived attacks or, you know, when there's terroristic attacks or when in general, most people, you know, commit crimes on people who they know, it's mm -hmm. mainly because they feel like the moral code has been broken. Right. Mm -hmm. So in this situation, you see a guy who's been struggling with his wife for seven years mm -hmm. and probably has gone through all of the different, you know, machinations of being able to put a complaint up and see if it's going to rise up to actually having some type of consequence and no consequence. Then he feels frustrated after seven years because he did say, I've been waiting seven years to do this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things that I just think about and it's like, you know, one thing that he didn't, they didn't mention in here is like the whole, notion of decorum right like mm. in order to keep things normal violence would right. be necessary right like it's okay to keep things normal if violence is needed but like if violence is needed to or if violence if, if violence is used in any other way right it, it i know i'm getting a little bit confused but if violence is used in it how about this i'm just going to read what this says real quick and it makes mm -hmm. it easy for everybody right it says this provocative and radical book shows that people mostly commit violence because they genuinely feel that is their morally right thing to do. It is the morally right thing to do. Mm -hmm. In perpetrators' minds, violence may be the morally necessary and proper way to regulate social relationships according to cultural precepts, precedents, and prototypes. These moral motivations apply equally to the violence of the heroes of the Iliad, um, to parents smacking their child, and to many modern murders and everyday acts of violence. Mm -hmm. Right? Like... Yeah. Some people smack their kids or beat their kids because they want to elicit a certain type of behavior, mm -hmm. whether mm -hmm. it's right or wrong. Right. So people from the outside looking in, if you see someone hitting their kid, they'd be like, well, why are you hitting your kid? That doesn't work. But to the person who's hitting their kid, they're like, no, I want to elicit a certain behavior that I think is going to be morally good for that kid. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know. I've yeah. kind of been going back and forth of this. You know, I don't yeah, think violence I think, is ever acceptable, but I, I think that I don't that's, know, babe, um, if something like this happened to you, I'm going to be honest. If something like this happened to you, oof, <laughs> I get that little vein right here <laughs> and waited seven years, seven years, is a long time, seven years, mm. is a long time to, you know, to wait to, to do something. Um, but you know, is, is violence ever morally justified? I'm going to have to say yes. And I know that that's, that might be a shocking answer for people. Um, for other people, they might be like, hell yeah. Um, but I'm going to say yes, right? I think about, remember that movie, A Time to Kill, with yes. Samuel L. Jackson? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's in the South, and we know the South has certain proclivities. And his young daughter... Um, was sexually assaulted and just brutally, brutally assaulted. Um, and they're in a part of the South where chances are that the racial di dynamics is going to allow the defendants to get off. And so Samuel L. Jackson, who is the father of this young girl, ends up killing the defendants before they can even go to trial. And so Matthew McConaughey becomes his lawyer and, you know, has to kind of 
argue this case, but the case is exactly what you just said, right? There was a moral reason to do this. A wrong was done, and the chances that the consequence that they actually deserved legally was not going to happen. And so he decided, well, I'm going to then give them the consequence that I know that I can. And so he took matters into his own hands and and killed them. So his reality was that his daughter was wronged and that these people were going to go free to be able to either assault his daughter again at some point or assault other people. And so was that justified? Well, in that movie, the uh, jury decided, yes, that it was justified. Um, And so, yeah, you know, that's not always the legal answer, right? Because we're talking about morality and and legality is not based in morality. Um, But, yeah, I would say it it can be justified. Yes. All right. Well, listen, I think we kind of gone to uh, as far as we can go of this. So, listen, before we get into our next topic, let's go and take a break and we will come right back. Okay. If you're looking for a podcast that moves the health conversation outside of the box, then I highly recommend Healthy Conversations, the acclaimed podcast from CVS Health. Hosted by Dr. Daniel Kraft, the Harvard and Stanford-trained physician scientist, Healthy Conversations provides cutting-edge information about the forefront of medical practice. On each episode, Dr. Kraft sits down for one-on-one interviews with doctors and tech innovators who are transforming healthcare to address some of the most pressing issues. If you're looking for entrepreneurial inspiration, then I recommend their episode on how the NHS evolved to support physician entrepreneurs. This is where Dr. Kraft interviews Dr. Tony Young of England's National Health Service on medical innovation. Or listen to their recent conversation on neurodiversity with legendary animal behaviorist and autism advocate, Temple Grandin. So look, don't miss out. Listen to Healthy Conversations from CVS Health. It's available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Link is in the show notes. All right, guys, we are back. Listen, let's jump into some personal finance. Um, One of our good friends, Physician on Fire, who we've had on the show about three times now, um, he put out an article as a part of a series Um, This article is called Top Five Reasons Not, I Say Not to Retire Early. Okay. (gasps) What? Yes, my man. Anti-fire. He's like, yo, these are the reasons why you you shouldn't retire early. And actually, this is part of his top five series. Okay. So some of the things that he has in his series are top five ways to start on the path to financial independence. Uh, top five ways to take advantage of a strong dollar. Top five ways to tax law. All right, you guys get the point. Go yeah. in there and check out top, top five, five ways reasons. to do just about anything. Right. So this one is the top five reasons not to retire early. Okay. Mm, Number one is you love your job, which I think we all think is a pretty good reason, right? If you love your job so much that you don't want to retire, you know, he gives his reasons for it. Number two. You can't retire early, right? And mainly, you can't retire early is mainly because you just don't have enough money um, for yourself to kind of go off. You got five twenty nines. You got to pay. You got to fund for your kids. You got some other things that you got to do. You spend a whole bunch of money on vacations, and you can't retire early. We won't get into the specifics of that, but you <laughs> where guys the get money the point gonna there. come from? <laughs> the third one is you're walking away from millions, right? The math ain't mathing. So basically, um, he says, let's keep the math simple. If you can expect to make an average of $250,000 a year and then you retire at 45, instead of 65, you're walking away from $5 million in gross earnings, right? And that's a huge pile of cash, he says. Of course, in the real world where we pay taxes and such, it's not so simple, but in an early retirement can be costly, right? And Mm -hmm. he talks about possibly... How does he justify walking away from millions of dollars so early in his career? So if you guys don't know, Physician on Fire walked away from medicine at the age of 41, I think, or 42, Mm -hmm. just up and retired and became financially independent. And he's just been traveling the world with his wife and his two children, you know, doing um, homeschooling and just kind of enjoying life. Road schooling. That's three. Number four is you don't know what else you would do, right? So basically you are... 
you don't know if you should do part-time work or you just kind of just do what you do. Like what else would I do? (laughs) Number five is you need the health insurance where this is a big one, right? Like, I don't don't know if this is tug in cheek, but basically you work work just to get health insurance. It's like, yeah, this is crazy. I guess, I don't know, maybe the pre, but the precondition thing's gone now. So, but maybe you need really good health insurance, you know, that you would not be able to afford if you walked away from the job. I don't know. But yeah, those those are his five reasons why you should not retire early. And, you know, it, I don't want to take it in a sense that we're going to go over the entire article because that that's not what I want to do. But I mm. do want to talk about number three. You're walking away from millions, you know, like from 45 or that 20 year span from, you know, retiring at 45 to retiring at 65. That's a lot of money on the plate. Right. But that's also your prime part of your prime years. Of, mm-hmm. um, some people look at it, your prime years of making money, but you can also look at it the converse of those are your prime years of living, right? Mm-hmm. Of being able That's to travel. That's when your knees being, still work. Right? That's when you get your eagle on. Can you still get your eagle on? I don't know if I could get my eagle on. Everybody, what do you think? You think Dr. Renee can get her eagle on? We're going to have to do a, a, a reel about that one. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't think you can get your. I think you need some conjointing on that one. <laughs> I can get my conjointing on. Yeah, I think you need your conjointing on that one. But I can get my ibuprofen on. <laughs> that that is your prime time of just enjoying life, right? Like you did your twenties and thirties trying to get ready, and then you know the point is you're supposed to work up until you're sixty five save up and then retire from 65 onwards and kind of do all the things that you want to do. But what if at the age of 65, you got high blood pressure, you diabetic, you know, like your kids hate your guts because you missed all of these different things. And now you by yourself or you're divorced or, you know, whatever it may be, but it's life is like life in you life is life in and life ain't got no plan, right? It's got its own plan. And if you're saying that, you know, from that age, I'm just going to keep working, keep my head down and save up. I don't know. That might be a big surprise to you. But like specifically, the reason I bring that up is because when we were trying to have children with IVF, like mm-hmm. back in 2015, like we were in it. Right. And this is something that, you know, there's uh, exam costs for getting an ultrasound. There's pharmaceuticals that we had to purchase. There's procedures mm-hmm. that we had to do. Right. And for one round, we're talking on average like twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. Of IVF. Right. In in vitro fertilization. Right. Mm-hmm. And we went through about five rounds of that. I think maybe even I think we yeah, went five, five rounds of that mm-hmm. and no, none of them worked. And there was not a point where little, I, not in the least. There was a point where I was like, yo, like I spent all this time like delaying, you know, some of the things that I really would want in my life. Right. Like, you know, relationship. Um, and then after a relationship, then having children and now like I'm married, but then we're not going to have the picturesque, you know, life that I would want. Right. With mm-hmm. children and so forth. And I really sat there. I was like, yo, money can't solve this. And I think oftentimes like that, w- that was really a humbling experience for me. Like no matter how much money I throw into this, this is not going to get better. Mm-hmm. We got to figure out something out. There's different solutions, but it's probably not going to look like I thought it was going to look. You know? Yeah, our solution was get together and turn on the R&B. <laughs> the weekend? No. No, not the weekend? No, not the weekend. <laughs> Maybe Yo. on the weekend. Basically, guys, what she's saying weekend. is what she's saying is that we had our kids naturally, right? <laughs> and um, you know, it's just it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm just going to get straight to the point. It was a humbling experience. And I think that a lot of times it takes something major in your life. You know, maybe you figure it out in 10 years, maybe you figure it out in 20 years. But sometimes you still start to realize that money ain't the answer for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And that it's really about the experience. It's really about being really present. Um, it's really about maybe saying no to someone at work and being there for your kids or going to that wedding instead of delaying it. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I I mean, I totally agree because we went through the exact same experience, right, of 
basically this delayed gratification that almost turned out not to be gratifying, right? <laughs> At least in the respect of having children. Um, and so, yeah, you start to realize, wow, money really can't fix this, right? Because, and especially when you're in medicine and you, you just think, well, I'm just, I'm going to make a lot of money and I know that there are solutions out there and I will just utilize those solutions, right? I will utilize those solutions. Um, and especially as an OBGYN, I'm like, well, I see this work for people all the time, right? This IVF works for people all the time. Not realizing that, you know, you're 50 and <laughs> who 50 knee, who 50 we do, knee, weren't you 50 when we tried it? Anyway, who 50 knee, anyway, <laughs> realizing that, you know, my ticket was not going to get pulled. You know, I was not going to win this lottery. <laughs> like, I was not going to win this lottery called IVF. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, and it never did. You know, it, it literally never did. Two doctors, right? I Two different facilities. Sabotaging. You were sabotaging. That's what you was doing. Yeah, okay. Two different facilities. Um, you know, two different doctors. Same procedures. You know, different regimens. You know, all kinds of things. And it didn't work, no matter how much money we put into it. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely agree that you have to kind of think about what role money is playing in your life. I think that for me was kind of the take home, like what role is money actually playing in your life? Um, you know, if you're, if money is just to be accumulated, probably not a good idea. Um, you probably want to have a plan, like a 30,000 foot view of what you want your life to look like. Because the reality is when you're done with training, that's kind of the end of the road, right? In terms of immediate, um, uh, an immediate view of what your future is going to look like, right? When you go to, when you get into medical school, you know, graduate in four years. You go through residency, you know, graduate in three, four, five, seven years, right? You know that. But once you graduate from residency, the rest of that career is is very nebulous. You you don't know what it's going to look like, right? If you want to be, the, I think. I think for people from our background, um, people who like, you know, blue collar backgrounds, when mm -hmm. you aspire to become a doctor, there's the the mission of helping people like that is no doubt. It's a calling. Um, mm -hmm. But also at the same time, I think you got to be like, I think a lot of people be honest, like, yo, you expect to have a more than comfortable life. Right. You expect to there's a certain social status that goes along with it, as well as there's a certain monetary status that goes along with that also. And I think that, you know, I liken this to there's a there's a book out there that describes, you know, the world that professional athletes go into where they get paid a lot of money. They get paid a lot of money. And the reason they're getting paid a lot of money, obviously, is for what they can do and they can bring eyes and attention to you know tv and to stadiums and all these different things but when you ask athletes to you know, like articulate and say certain things that are related maybe to things that are not on the sports field mm -hmm. um either they for the most part they censure themselves because they're scared that whatever they say will limit what how much money they're able to make even though they've uh, you know act even though they've accumulated so much money right like the whole thing with Michael Jordan, right, with, um, you know, his comments on politics back in the day, like, you know, Republicans buy shoes, too. Right. And it's like, you know, it's very interesting that people can have so much money, yet they a lot of times feel chained um, to actually f say what they really feel, live how they really want to live or say no to certain people and so mm -hmm. forth. That happens in medicine, folks. Like people yeah. are there's a lot of times where you'll see doctors who you know, may not stand up for themselves, may not set a certain boundary, mainly because they're just used to getting money and they don't want to say no to that. And it's like, but mm -hmm. you do know that, you know, this way in which you're getting money or this way in which you are t trading time for dollars, like you're giving a little bit of your soul away. And I think mm -hmm. that for me, I think that's why we, I just decided that, you know what, there's a certain range that I want to fit in, in terms of income, right? But I also know that once you go past a certain point, we can make more, but that means that we're spending less time together. Mm -hmm. That means that I'm seeing the kids less. 
Mm-hmm. That means that we're podcasting less. So like we found like an optimal range where I can continue to be, you know, sharp with my operating skills. I can be com- continue to be where I want to be clinically, but also at the same time I can be plugged in with what I'm doing right here, right now. Right. right? And I'm sure you're the same way also. Yeah. That's tough no. though. A lot of people aren't willing to sacrifice that way. No. I mean, I think, I think most people are not actually willing to 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 do what we do, right? And and everybody has their own reasons, um, whether it be financial or not. But I think a lot of people would not be willing to do that, right? I don't want to sacrifice, you know, doing um, doing deliveries, for example. Like I, you know, I I want to make sure that I can, you know, do so many deliveries, and nobody can ever say that I don't have enough deliveries. And it's like, well, how many deliveries is enough deliveries, right? you know, <laughs> 60 in, in two years, um, usually for locums, um, is usually what, what the number is. Um, but if you are employed, right, you're going to get more than 60 in two years, right? So I don't know that people are willing um, to do that because they there is a perceived consequence in their heads that they're not willing to take on, right? But the other part of that is, like you said, at what cost? Because there is another consequence, right? Because there's the opportunity cost. If you are doing one thing, you are not doing something yeah, else. Something else, yeah. yeah. So. I don't know, man. This, this, this was a really interesting article. We're going to put this in the show notes. This, once again, is the top five reasons not to retire early um, by Physician on Fire. And um, it's very interesting, very interested in your perspective. Not only am I interested in people's perspective to text us, right? You can always text us and let us know your thoughts at 833-230-2860. But also, I forgot to let other people know in the previous um, segment that they should text us and let us know their thoughts on the ACOG slap. That Mm -hmm. number again, guys, is 833-230-2860. Shout out to Physician on Fire for putting these articles out. You know, specifically um, the one on top five reasons to retire early. And then obviously the converse, which is this one right here. Um, I don't know where we are on our path to financial independence. I think earlier on we were on our path to financial independence. But I think that pursuit ended up being too straining for me and too, too taxing for me. And I think we kind of just realized that we just rather just... The experience was way more worth the accumulation. Mm-hmm. Am I describing it right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> I think there's a lot going on too. So, yeah, life is life, and so life is life, and I think there's a lot going on, and you know, that's just not something that we have um, prioritized because we we have had other things on our plates you know, to deal with and make sure that they were okay before we can say, yeah, let's, let's go full fire. So fair enough. Fair enough. Well, make sure you guys check out that article. Well, listen, we are getting towards the end of the show. There is, um, you know, let's do our sign out, you know, where we want people to kind of take something away, um, to kind of think about. So why don't you go on to your sign out? Because I actually don't have anything to sign out. So I think that your I'm point hold is very you down, important. baby. Yeah, you got something that's really important to talk about. So why don't you go and do what you um so mommy makeovers. Um uh, that young woman, um, Jackie O, who recently passed away um from getting a mommy makeover, which a mommy makeover I believe is kind of like the works of things, right? Like a like yeah, a BBL. So it's a breast it's a breast augmentation. Um, possible breast lift. It's a buttock augmentation. It's a labiaplasty. It's a lip. It's liposuction and a tummy tuck. Yeah, so all it's, it's a time. lot of procedures all at once, basically. Uh, she recently had a baby. She has two. She has three kids total. Recently had a baby. I don't even think the baby's a year old yet, and she unfortunately passed away during this procedure. Um, of this mommy makeover and, you know, just got me to thinking about, are we really having enough conversations around the risks of these elective procedures, right? You know, BBLs have been a huge social media 
topic. It's all over social media. Like, ah, BBL, BBL. You always, you know, people are always trying to figure out who had a BBL, who didn't have a BBL. Is the BBL a filter or is it really real? All kinds of things. Um, But I think we're not having enough conversations about the potential risks. And my question is, you know, if the, if, if people knew that the risk of dying was an absolute risk, right? So if you were to ask someone, you know, if you actually died for this BBL or for this mommy makeover, would you think it was worth it, right? I think most people would say no, right? There are things that people are like, if I die for this, it would be worth it. I don't think a mommy makeover would fall into that category. And so I think we just need to like figure out for these purely elective procedures. This young woman was what in her early 30s, what 31 years old, 32 years old? Correct. You know, Correct. and yeah. has three kids, one of which is not even a year old. I don't know if that conversation had been had with her, but if it had been had with her, I don't know that she would have been like, "Yes." it would even be worth it to die over this procedure. Um, and there, there's so much going on on social media now that the vulnerability of the public or of the people who really desire these types of procedures, it's exploited. Like the vulnerabilities are through the roof and people are recognizing that and taking advantage of those vulner, you know, vulnerabilities. Mm. Yeah, that um, is very, very real. Um, listen, I, I, you know, there's so much for me to say as a surgeon, um, but, you know, I don't do BBLs and stuff, but I have taken care of people who have gone overseas and come back with probably tummy tucks that are infected and so forth. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a problem. It's a problem. You know, like a lot of these risks are rare. You know, but mm-hmm. like you said, when you are that one person, when you're N of one and it happens to you, then I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but that's a, this is a tragedy because now you have three young children. I think there's six, four in like less than a year. I less believe. than a year. And, you know, mom is lost over mm-hmm. something that is cosmetic in nature. And that's that's a problem. You right. know, so right. I don't know. It's it's something that I think probably our our um our industry needs to do a better job of educating as well as standardizing also. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the vulnerabilities are out there, like I said, and people are, you know, people are in situations where they can fully be taken advantage of um, and not, and not fully counseled. So, yeah. But, well, so listen. yeah, thoughts out to that family that, you know, those three kids, you know, her parents, DC, DC her young boyfriend, fly. right? No, it's her husband. Or her husband. Yeah, they're married, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just, DC young fly and yeah, the whole family prayers to them. And if you're a plastic surgeon, you got thoughts on this, or you know yeah. whatever augmentation or aesthetics, uh, you listen to this and you got thoughts. Text us at eight three three. Two three zero two eight six zero. Or if you're not mm-hmm. in that field and you just want to uh, discuss chime this more, in. you have some thoughts and chime in. Yeah. Text us, yo. Let us know what's going on. Listen, you, just because you hear it and you don't remember the phone number, all of this stuff is in the show notes. Check out our show notes or check out the show description if you're watching this on YouTube and you'll find all of the links to everything that we talked about from all the articles that we talked about to the videos that we talk about to even how to text us and even on how to subscribe. So listen, guys, we are going to be out. Going to catch you guys on another episode of Docs Outside the Box. Hopefully, the next time you catch me, I will be back in the studio with my voice. I'm trying to keep my voice down because I got next door neighbors and I ain't trying to have them come over here and yank me up. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, there's going to be some moral justice going on over here. (laughs) All right. All right, y'all. I'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace, y'all.